we talk a lot about, are we headed for a recession? Are we in a recession, right? What is what someone in, uh, in a meeting the other day called it the big R, which I loved. It's like Voldemort. You can't, you know. You can't actually say the whole word. Right. The word that should not be named. Right. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Postlight Podcast. I am Chris Lasacco, the president of Postlight, and I'm joined by my business partner, Gina Trapani, the CEO of Postlight. How are you, Gina? Hey, Chris. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Today, we have uh, a very interesting and timely topic to discuss, which is how do you plan your business in a down economy? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> It's peacetime CEO versus wartime CEO. That's exactly right. Something happened in the past quarter, Chris, economically. Things changed <laughs> oh, oh, you a think? little bit. Did you yeah. notice? I don't know if you, I don't know if we, we haven't talked about this at all, by right. the there way. There were a few signs. There were a few, uh, yeah. I, you know, I also drive my car past gas stations and see what's happening out in the world. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's a little wild right now. You know, inflation is off the charts. We are seeing a lot of red in our 401ks right now. We are seeing hiring start to contract, which has been really interesting after the past few years. I'm seeing layoffs on LinkedIn. Yes. It is a very different state of affairs right now when you think about building and running and growing a business. And there's a really interesting concept that you pointed out to me, which I found fascinating, that is so important and so relevant at times like this, which is how do you build in a margin of safety? So talk about that for a second. I mean, this is something that I've been thinking about. This is the thing. We have been on this like decades long bull run. Like if you do any sort of investing, you've seen up and to the right, green, incredible performance. I mean, the candidate market, we felt this because hiring is hard, has been so hot, especially in our industry. You know, recruiters have been very aggressive. Big tech has been hiring really hard. Mm -hmm. And that all basically changed. And because... It's been such a long time of really good times. And in fact, in our industry, in the technology industry, you know, the pandemic was very good to us. It's true. It's felt like it's true, but it's felt like such a complete 180. And I'm watching, especially some of like the younger folks who I'm friends with, you know, it's the, kind of the first time that they're like, oh, I, I logged into my 401k account and saw red. Like I lost money. What, this isn't how it's supposed to go. You know, no. That's the thing. There are a lot of people who are experiencing this. For, I mean, the younger generation who are experiencing it for the first time. For the they, first they time. look at this and they're like, wait a second, things can go down? That's you know? right. Prices That's right. can rise like they are right now? Yes. What's going on? How do I deal? And some of these folks are, you know, they're at the VP level or the director level at their company. And they're also starting to think about, oh, this is going to change how I structure my group, how I think about investing, quote unquote, in my business when times are tough. Right. I mean, the emphasis shifts from investment and innovation and growth to like, oh, 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 I, you know, <laughs> we're not seeing the performance that we used to see. So now we have to shift to risk mitigation, cost mm -hmm. savings, yes. uh, making sure that, that we can get stuff done with just the right amount of people. When hiring freezes happen at big tech, that all kind of filters down, right, to, to everyone else, right? Because there's less competition for talent. And I think it means, you know, fewer choices for candidates and offers get lower. It's all related. You know, we just, when things are so good for so long, you don't have that mindset of like anything can go 
wrong in any yeah. moment, right? Yeah. And it affects the way that you plan and you start to create, whether that's a project plan or a financial plan or a business plan, you plan for everything going right, like the happy path, right? Oh my God, and, yes. And this is this is a mistake. I think it's that famous Warren Buffett quote, you know, it's only when the tide goes out that you see who's been swimming naked, right? It, 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 <laughs> when things go wrong, <laughs> you, that's when you know whose plan wasn't ready, like, right, to withstand any sort of, you know, problem. And you can't foresee every problem. No. We could have never foreseen the Russia-Ukraine war. We could have never foreseen the supply chain and inflation the way that happened. We No yep. one knew that COVID-19, you know, in January of 2020, you know, none of the predictions by all the finest economists in the world, right, said that, you know, we were about to get hit with a global pandemic. Things happen that no one expects for sure. Uh, so you're, pl- you're never going to be able to plan for every eventual outcome, but you have to plan for, you know, kind of some outcome. It's funny, I've been watching The Sopranos. I know. <laughs> you know, because I've said I've started a <laughs> Bunch of you shared me YouTube like, clips. Chris, I've been watching The Sopranos and this thing happened. I know. I'm 20 years late. It's my first time watching it. Oh, it's such a good show. I'm jealous that you're having this experience for the first time. Very good show. Pretty violent. Mixed feelings about the portrayal of Italian Americans. But th- let's set that aside. Fair. There's this amazing scene between Svetlana and Tony. Svetlana is a Russian woman who's in the United States who has lost a leg. So she has a prosthetic. And Tony is this, you know, mob boss. And Svetlana says to Tony, you know, Tony, Americans only expect good things to happen when the rest of the world expects only bad. And they are not disappointed. That line just just struck me, right? Because when you when your expectations are that, you know, things are going to be sunny. You know, I have everything that I want. I mean, right? Like, as Americans, we're incredibly yeah. privileged. We have access to, you know, so many things. We're the richest country in the world. That creates a mindset of just yeah. expectation and even, to some degree, entitlement in some ways, right? Of course. And this means that we plan for a sunny future. So when rain comes, it catches us in a vulnerable spot. So this is why I've been, I've been kind of obsessed with this idea of planning with room for error or this safety margin. I want to give credit. So there's an incredible book called The Psychology of Money. It's by Morgan Housel. And this is where I sort of was, was like introduced to this idea. He brings up this idea of like, assume that things are going to go bad and build into your financial plan, you know, a cash cushion, for example, that feels a little uncomfortable. Like you should look at it and feel like, I have, there's so much, you know, so much money in cash here. Or like when you take on debt, take on just a little uncomfortable, as little as possible, right? Because, uh, you know, assume that something could go wrong, that you could right. get laid off, that there could be a health event, that you know, this is a personal finance book. So it's it's his lens, but it's such a good point. And it applies to so many things. I think this is something Housel also says, planning is important, but the most important part of the plan is that not everything is going to go according to plan. Yes. <laughs> and it's so true. And it certainly applies to finance. I think that's the most direct line you can draw to say, listen, why are we being frugal in our budgeting? Why do we yes. have policies that make sure that we are not overspending even when things are good? And the yes. answer is exactly this, because you need this safety margin, right? This room for error in your dollars that allows you to say, okay, when times are good, I'm going to sock a few, you know, a few extra bucks away so that when times are tight, I have that cushion to fall back on. But what's interesting to me is that this kind of thinking applies to a lot of different things, right? In the world of yes. software development, it can apply to how you structure your roadmap, what your timeline looks like, what your resourcing plan looks like. You know, maybe you think something is going to take one engineer, but you actually staff two engineers or you put an engineer with with a little extra oversight on it because you recognize that things are probably not going to go exactly like you predict they're going to go, especially with the size of the effort 
that you are thinking about undertaking. The bigger the platform, the bigger the approach, the longer the timeline, the more you have to think about what is a comfortable safety margin? What room for error do I need to build in to my thinking, my plan, my timeline, my roadmap, my approach? Sometimes I've seen this kind of thinking actually influence software architecture to say, you know, we're tr I'm trying out a new technology here, but I need to know that, you know, I have a plan B or I'm going to use this new technology in a non-core service so that if things don't go exactly right to that happy path, like you were talking about, Gina, then I've got a, a more solid, more stable, more known, you know, core effort that I can fall back on. You know, now that we've talked about this and, and you brought this up to me, I feel like I'm seeing this kind of thinking in a lot of different places. And listen, we talk a lot about are we headed for a recession? Are we in a recession? You know, in this kind of environment, having this room for error that you can fall back on is critical. It can be for a startup, it can mean the difference between life and death for your business, right? You may go out of business if you're not thinking this way. But even in a large company, you have to be smart about where you're putting your energy and more considered about what bets you're placing because you, you can't place as many bets. Yeah, I mean, I think when you apply this kind of thinking to, say, managing scope in a project and keeping that minimum viable product, you know, definition to the point where it is truly minimal, to the point where it feels uncomfortable, I think particularly like in a client services context, when a client really wants a nice to have, you know, you, you, your instinct is I want to service my client, I want to make my client happy. And it's easy to say like, oh, no problem, like we've got that, right? But this kind of thinking, which is like, I know that things can go wrong and I want to commit to, you know, the least bit that I know that we could deliver on time, right? And truly separate those nice to haves. It's a better way of managing expectations. It's a better way of ensuring success. But here's the thing, and this is what Tony says to Svetlana in this scene. He says, well, that's a grim outlook. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's a really good point, right? Like, are you yeah. going to spend your whole life imagining that things are going to go wrong and planning for failure? Like, isn't that depressing and terrible. I mean, I can see I can see the point there, right? But here's the thing, in the long term, like you could have an optimistic long-term outlook. I know that over time the line is going to go, you know, up and to the right, but I also know that along the way there are going to be painful and mm -hmm. unexpected dips. Like and that's that's the kind of thinking. So you can be both optimistic and defensive and build in that room for error and that safety margin, but still know that over time, you know, it, that things are going to be good. The world is going to be a better place. I mean, whatever. This is a bigger philosophical discussion because there's a lot going on in the world. <laughs> but let's say you choose to believe the world is, is going to be in a better place in 10 to 20 years from now. But along the way, there are going to be some really bad dips. And that's normal. That's completely yeah. normal. Like that isn't a comment on you or your business or, or, or doomsday, you know, that just is part of the ride. And I think this is the, the really important balance between optimism and thinking very defensively about what could go wrong. Welcome to Gina's investment podcast. It's an offshoot of the Postlight <laughs> podcast where we normally we talk about technology and business. Now we're also talking about just good, solid financial advice. But I, I also just think that this applies to, I think it applies to project plans. I think it applies to business plans. It completely plans. does. I think it just applies to every situation. The other thing about this for leaders who are going through this particular moment and other really tough moments, this is 
character defining. Like this is Ooh. a formative when things totally. are hard, the way that you lead and the way that you the des- decisions that you make and your posture, this is where the growth happens. This is where you become a more resilient and more adaptable and more wise and more seasoned leader, right? Because you've seen things. You're going to come out of it the other side and be like, "Wow, that pandemic was something." You know? Yeah. <laughs> also, you you figure out in these moments what you're made of. Um, Absolutely. This, and your team. Yes. This makes me think of a blog post that we've been talking about by the CEO of Tercera. They're a private equity firm focused on the cloud. And it's the post is written by uh, the CEO named Chris Barbin. And he talks about one of the lessons of dealing with business in a tight economy is being decisive and sticking with your values. And I think it very much relates to exactly what you're saying, Gina. Like it is you have to think about what what do you care about and what are your core decision-making principles and stick with them. And yes. you're going to find out when you're tested, like how you make some of those tough calls. And you may not get all of them right, but you should think about how you, you know, bring the people that you, whose opinions you trust close to you and look at your plan ahead. And you may have to rejig some things. But if you are, if you're thinking about the the fundamental principles that that frankly don't change uh, regardless of the environment, and you let that you know drive your decision making, and you don't get paralyzed by not knowing, you know, do I make a left turn or a right turn because I'm trying to predict what's going to happen in the environment around me, you know, that is a recipe for paralysis and and not going in the right direction. So sticking to your guns and making good calls in the way that that you would when times are better is 100% the right advice. Chris also says something else in this post that I wanted to highlight because it really sticks with me when it comes to thinking about business growth in this kind of environment and how you yes. think about what your customers, you know, want. So he says and I'm quoting Rethink your offerings to what customers need now. When tough times hit, customers tend to shift buying decisions from long-term impact to short-term ROI, return on investment. Reducing risk, increasing efficiency, and saving money suddenly become more urgent than transformation and innovation. Do your current offerings address these new priorities? I love this because, you know, we often at Postlight, we think big, right? We want to think about your you know, the next two, three, five years of your roadmap, we love those kinds of challenges and and having those sort of big business problems to go attack with good sound uh, software architecture and software experience. But the horizon gets shorter when you're in an environment like this. And so making sure that that we align with where our clients' needs are and how do we make sure that we are having a immediate impact, a short-term impact and making their um, businesses run more smoothly and show a bigger return immediately. It's affecting how we're talking to people. Uh, and I Absolutely. think it, it's broadly applicable. And I think Chris hits the nail on the head that you have to think about what's going to inform where your customers want to invest. And how do I make sure that you know my business, my group, my whatever is oriented around those needs? Absolutely. I mean, I think about, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, like restaurants were hit so hard and businesses like that. There are particular restaurants who just so quickly pivoted to, you know, to go and, you know, outdoor space. There was a woman in my neighborhood who was literally opening her new pasta restaurant, like in March of 2020. It never opened. And she started selling homemade pasta from her stoop, literally her stoop and created this incredible 
to go business. And then, you know, when things opened, I think it was late last year or maybe the beginning of this year that she finally did open the place. Like, Good for her. Like being able to adapt to the environment. Great. It's great for her. Pasta Louise in Brooklyn. Very, <laughs> I, I, I re- highly recommend. Um, Welcome to Gina's Italian Food Podcast. Where <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of memes going on here. <laughs> I mean, you know, see, seeing businesses pivot to where they meet their customers where they are in very, very tough, tough environment. Very, very tough environment. A lot of restaurants that we've loved you know didn't make it but it's such it's such a good point it's such a good point going to your customers thinking about the priority shift and you know i think you know for the for the leaders the digital leaders that we talk to you know often you know you're thinking about the future and the, the, the platform that you really want the product that you really want you look at your competitors and what they're doing with their apps and their user experiences and you feel like ah you know we're just we're getting we're getting killed here but the truth is you know r- right now your executives are worried they're worried about <laughs> Uh, cash mm-hmm. flow. They're worried about hiring. They're worried about spending. And you can shift your messaging and your, you know, proposals toward paying down tech debt, more efficiency, paying for fewer services or servers. You know, centralizing multiple, sunsetting legacy systems. Like this is the transformation work that can lay the groundwork for the more innovative stuff that will happen when things mm-hmm. come back. Come back, and they will. We just That's don't right. know if it'll be six months, eighteen months, or twenty-four months. We don't know. That's just just where <laughs> we are. <laughs> We're thinking long term, like we said. Our optimism is long term. (laughs) Absolutely, and you know, for those of you who are sort of you know experiencing this for the first time, or or feeling like ah, like you know, my job's at risk, or like you know, we we fail, our plan failed. I mean, look, lots of companies (laughs) adjusted their projections from very optimistic to not very optimistic recently in the last, sort of last quarterly earnings call, as well as post-light. If you're feeling like, oh, this is a failure and the thing that I thought was going to happen didn't happen. And now like, this is a bad look. It's all about how you react, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and how you adapt, right? I think that these kinds of experiences are truly like formative. They are. One of the most formative experiences of my career. I was like in my mid twenties. I knew nothing about business. I was a, a web developer at a startup. Uh, in downtown Manhattan, it's the year 2001, and two planes flew into the World Trade Center, which was, of course, mm-hmm. an incredibly horrific and tragic event that changed, you know, all of us as people, the entire nation. It was absolutely horrible. And then within a year, I, we had, you know, a very cool startup open plan office. But I watched the like giant layoff happen, and I watched my coworkers mm-hmm. with the legal boxes walking to their desks, packing up their stuff, and walking out the door. And that was an incredible incredibly formative experience for me like as a person I was like oh I didn't know that this was coming I don't like that I didn't know I felt I didn't get laid off but I felt very very vulnerable and I made this decision which is like I am going to be in more control of my life and my work and this is sort of when I went on my journey of being like a freelancer and being you know sort of an entrepreneur and starting my own companies uh, because I wanted to be closer to that it was horrible experience in the moment. I didn't even really know how to process it, especially on top of, you know, everything that had happened. But it it changed like who I was. And it, yeah. it changed the entire trajectory of my career. And so whatever. I don't want to be Pollyanna and sit here and be like, hey y'all, this recession, you're gonna come out of this a better person. Like that sounds like too simplistic. No. But I do believe it. I do believe that these hard times are what make people stronger and better and smarter. Yeah, I think it is such good advice to the people listening right now. Even though you may not feel like it moment to moment, you are learning through these experiences. This is something that we try to remind ourselves of 
like every yes. week, every day. What are the lessons that we can take from this and apply in the future? I have a similar story from early in my career, although it's not as dire, but it really stuck with me, which is that the very first roadmap I ever wrote for one of our clients, I remember that I sort of laid, and it was long. It was like nine to 12 months, which is you know long in, in our world. Mm -hmm. And I remember because when I laid it out, I had worked with the team and I put everything you know exactly it, it was the happy path case. It was the yep. best case scenario. And it felt, I think, really good to everybody involved because the team was rallied around it and the client was rallied around it. And it seemed like we had clear expectations and everything great. But guess what? There was no room for error in this roadmap. It was everything had to line up perfectly. And, you know, when we're sitting here at, on day one or week one, it was like, of course, everything's going to line up. We are we are golden. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, it didn't take long. I mean, I want to say it was in like the first few weeks when things start to go in different directions. And it's not because of anyone's fault or anything. It just things don't go according to plan. And so we were late on our first couple of milestones and I resisted oh. revising the roadmap because oh. I was like, no, we'll this catch is what up. we committed to. Yeah, we committed um, to this and so we'll catch up. <laughs> Which is 100% the wrong move because it was, <laughs> you know, it should have been very clear that like it needed to be reset and reforecast. There was no scrutiny of the plan. Once the plan was written, it was basically like carved into a stone tablet. And then we were just oh. marching toward, you know, it was bad. These are mistakes that I learned from and adjusted, you know, early in my career. But I still remember how it was like, you know, we were all looking at the plan and the whole team knows that it's fantasy. It's never going to happen this way. But because... We had originally said it and because we had, you know, committed to the client and set their expectations, it was like, well, you know, put on your working gear and, and start grind you know, it out, Go to the grind mines, it out, grind like, it let's up. just yep. keep going, mm -hmm. which was, you know, ludicrous in hindsight. So it's something that I think people are going to make those mistakes still. You know, I love that the Svetlana scene because it's like you can't assume that everything's going to break your way. And so you have to acknowledge that there are going to be unforeseen circumstances and that and that may mean your you know again I'm repeating myself but like the timeline may need to change your client expectations may need to be reset and you should you know acknowledge those things and communicate about them frankly you probably need to be more communicative when things are shaky um even though your instinct is going to be well you know I'm going to hole up and just try to catch up resist that and in these times of stress talk more, get ahead of things more, and, you know, revisit your plan when you need to. Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that, you know, uh, more and more when I'm looking at project plans or when I'm looking at a timeline or, or a staffing plan, that question, where's our room for error? Where's our safety margin here? What if someone gets mm -hmm. sick? What if the client goes out of the office for a couple of weeks and we can't get that thing? Like, where's the wiggle room, right? Look, we all want to deliver great news. Great news. We'll be able to get this done in three months. If everything goes right and everyone works, you know, pr continuously and every single dependency falls in our plate, it'll be no problem. There's no reason why we shouldn't, you know, that's just a fantasy. It just never happens that way. And here's the thing. If you say the bad news up front here, this is going to take, you know, longer and then you deliver it and everything does go right. Because sometimes everything does go right. And you deliver right. early. I mean, Yahtzee. literally no one delivers software early. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's, you get a, you get a trophy for that. <laughs> you get knighted. Uh, <laughs> you get knighted. <laughs> Thank you for your early, early delivery. I'm now going to, you know, yeah, exactly. touch your shoulders with, with a sword. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Cool. One more analogy we wrote down from Housel that I, I want to just touch on is the pilot analogy, because I think that this is 
just a, a great visual and perhaps something to leave people with. There's an old pilot like quip that it's the job is hours and hours of boredom punctuated by moments of sheer terror. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> so I think true. that is kind of, a, you know, a scary picture, but I think it's also an apt metaphor uh, <laughs> when it comes to how you have to think about your your business planning sometimes, which is you need to think about not how you respond just in the when things are on cruise control, but also how you're going to respond when you're in those moments of terror. And that's where your um, perhaps an outsized uh, amount of your you know training in quotes, but also your your planning, your discussions, your whatever you need to think about making sure you've got that margin of safety so that when things go wrong, you're still fine. That's when it matters, right? How you react in that moment. That's right. That's when it matters. That's yeah. right. Great. Well, if you are think- listening to this podcast and thinking, you know, I'm running across some of the same challenges and I would love to get an outside piece of advice, we would love to hear from you. We build big, beautiful software platforms on the internet at Postlight. Customer experience is critical for us and we pair it with top-notch engineering to build premium products that get put in real users' hands. We love shipping software and we love business problems in all kinds of industries. We have insurance clients, finance clients, gaming clients, consumer-facing apps. We're all over the place and we would love to hear from you if you've got a challenge that you're having trouble figuring out. So Gina, if someone wants to reach out, how do they do it? Send us a note. Hello at postlight.com. We read and enjoy every single one. Chris and I personally. Most, most of the time. time. <laughs> uh, so please, please reach out. Send us an email. Hello at postlight.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Bye. Bye.